After a great 2023, here's how I think the Missouri Tigers can be even better in football in 2024. And unfortunately, another loss for Mizzou basketball last night. But you know what? I got to remind you people, there is no prize for being the most negative fan on the internet. So let's talk about all that and more right now on Locked on Mizzou. You are Locked on Mizzou. Your daily podcast on the Missouri Tigers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hail you true sons and daughters, I'm John Miller, your Mizzou mafioso and purchaser of, yes, a new Missouri football mini helmet, this time the one with the gold face mask gold block M that the Tigers wore against Arkansas. So you know what? Let's do the ceremonial placing of the helmet on the shelf right now, shall we? Live on air. Oh, yes. Well, that would be the wrong way to go, wouldn't it? Okay, there we go. I know that was a magical moment for all of you out there in podcast land. But before we get on the show, I do want to remind all of you that today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more right now. New customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed. When you place a $5 bet, visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. And I want to start off talking about Mizzou football because, well, Missouri basketball, we've seen better days, have we not? But I'm not exactly in panic mode. But you know what? Again, let's start with football. I want to talk about how we can get better in 2024. Honestly, I want to start, uh, well, hey, finding a new defensive coordinator, hey, that would help. I'm with you there. Hopefully that'll happen here in about the next week or so. But honestly, the first thing I think Missouri needs to address on the offensive side of the ball is snapping and communication. Quite honestly, if Missouri has can avoid one bad snap on third and one on a potential game-winning drive against LSU, well, maybe the Tigers have another victory. If anything, I think Missouri and, and Brady Cook and Connor Tolleson and the whole offense were lucky and fortunate to not have more of those situations that cost Missouri another ball game. Or so. So to me, that whatever the problem is there, if it's maybe getting rid of the clap, which has become the trend around all of college football, that's now led to, of course, speaking of the LSU game, the famous, what was now, I'm now forgetting the phrase, the disconcerting signals. There it is. Yes, disconcerting signals. We're now worried about that instead of figuring out that. Gee, maybe the clap is not the worst way to actually go about snapping the football. Honestly, whatever it is, Missouri's got to fix that in 2024, or else it's probably going to unnecessarily cost them at least one football game. By the way, speaking of just basic stuff like communication, hey, let's get the field goal unit out on the field next season much more quickly because that almost cost Missouri in week three against Kansas State. Having to move Harrison Mevis back from 56 to 61 yards because of a delay of game in that situation was inexcusable. Now, fortunately, Mevis bailed out Eli Drinkwitz and the squad by making the most incredible and memorable field goal, I would say, in the history 
of Missouri football and the longest kick in SEC history to that point. So again, Eli Drinkwitz got bailed out there. Who knows what happens if that game goes to overtime? Also, you saw it crop up at the end of the first half in the Cotton Bowl as well. So let's work on getting that field goal out there sooner. Speaking of special teams, punting obviously left a lot to be desired last season. Hey, Luke Bauer, one of the great plays in Mizzou history as well. The faked punt against Kentucky. I've rarely been more thrilled come off my couch any higher than that in that particular moment. A play that, again, if it doesn't happen, Missouri probably doesn't beat Kentucky, in my opinion. But in terms of actual punting, obviously he went back and forth between Riley Williams handling the punting duty all season. You saw Missouri go into the transfer portal to find a punter this offseason. So clearly they weren't totally satisfied with that position. That would be an important thing to upgrade. And finally, I think what you saw pop up in the Cotton Bowl that's a little bit concerning offensively is pass blocking. Because while Missouri's pass blocking was certainly a lot better in 2023 than it was in 2022, well, the run blocking definitely was better than the pass blocking. So hopefully, Caden Green, other additions to this Missouri offensive line, maybe a full offseason with O-line coach Brandon Jones will make a bit of a difference because I do think that's an area that Missouri needs to continue to improve on offensively. Now, defensively, apparently there are some people out there that are really worried about the Missouri defense, and I'm a little bit worried for sure because of the lack, well, the lack of certainty at the cornerback position, but I'm not as, I'm not as worried as Jay Wells 9092 over on YouTube who said earlier today, Missouri will be like LSU last year, all, all offense and no no defense, followed by the crying laughing emoji. Now, first of all, there, Jay, was that comment really crying laughing worthy? <laughs> was that emoji really worthy of that particular comment? I think not. But regardless, anyway, I think the Missouri defense is clearly going to be better than LSU's defense was last season, the porous Bayou Bengals. But the question really is, will it be as good or at least as approach what Missouri's defense was in 2023? Again, as I kind of alluded to here just a little bit ago, I think it's going to be kind of up to those Missouri corners because without Ennis Rakestraw, who, again, getting a lot of first-round grades from people, including Mel Kuyper Jr. recently, but him along with Chris Abrams-Drain was as good of duo as there was in college football the last couple of years to this podcaster. So to me, it's going to be up to Drayden Norwood, Marcus Clark, and more than likely Toriano Pride, the former East St. Louis product, went to Clemson his first couple years of college football. I think it's going to be up to those guys in a really large part to decide just how good that Missouri defense is in 2024. And my goodness, Missouri basketball right now just cannot win for losing, as the old phrase goes. When you hold a team to below 30% from the field, I believe the Aggies were 29% from the floor. How in the world do you not win that game? Especially when, well, you hit 
over 50% of your twos. And again, your three-point shooting wasn't great either at 28%. So there's really a big part of the problem. But at the same time, nine combined turnovers for Jesus Carolero, Martin, and Sean East. East has gotten a little bit loose with the ball here for sure, but Carolero Martin, the good passes that showed up quite a bit early in the season. Hey, sometimes he has some really good vision, has some good assists, is a good ball mover that keeps the offense flowing. But too often lately, Martin has just lost the balance a little bit of trying too many difficult passes. And in a in a slugfest type of game, that that was yesterday. You just can't afford to have 15 turnovers if you're Missouri. Again, five from Carolero and four for Sean East. That's just too many. And obviously the 37 free throws shot by the Aggies yesterday to the 10 attempted for Missouri. I'm not sure I've ever seen a margin quite that big either. I mean, just a stunning result there. Classic Buzz Williams basketball where they just force you to play ugly. They're going to beat you up on the offensive glass and do everything they possibly can to get to the free throw line. Unfortunately, I thought too often Missouri was playing into their hands and reaching in too much. But quite honestly, I think a lot of Missouri fans are are overcomplicating this. I really think a lot of the problem here is really is really just you're missing one guy, one shooter, maybe two shooters that would make everything just kind of fall together. You look at who's the best five on D, the best five on offense. There's not there's just not really an overlap here. So let's talk a little bit more about Mizzou basketball here coming up and about again why there is no prize for being the most negative fan. There really isn't. But before they before we get there, let's talk about FanDuel Sportsbook because the NFL season is just about to wrap up. We've got conference championship game week and then the Super Bowl. But you know what? That means this is the perfect time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get 150 bucks in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet that's $150 in bonus bets win or lose and you know what you look at the Kansas City Chiefs again hanging in there plus three and a half plus 160 on the money line that's more interesting to me but at the same time again I just don't feel as confident this week against Baltimore I'm not betting against Patrick Mahomes. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying, let's be a little selective. We can't just bet wildly and blindly on our favorite team every single week. So let's be a little disciplined on this particular Sunday. But you know what? Regardless of what you're into, you got to go to FanDuel.com slash locked on and make your first bet a layup. It's FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. So here's the thing, folks. Basketball is really not all that complicated. And the style of basketball that Dennis Gates wants to play truly does require five guys who can, at the very least, shoot the ball or try to or score in some way or another. If you're a five-man, hey, maybe you can get away with playing in the dunker spot. But more often than not, ideally, not only can all five guys on the court shoot it, 
They can all put it on the floor, dribble, and pass as well. And if you think about Missouri's best five last season offensively, that's exactly what they had with Kobe Brown, Noah Carter in the front court. You've got some versatile big guys there, again, who can all shoot it, put it on the floor, pass it, multiple skilled kind of guys. And then three guys in the backcourt, whether it's Sean East or Nick Carter at the point. And then you've got DeAndre Golston, Demoy Hodge as well, all guys who are skilled offensively and can put it in the basket. Now, we know that wasn't necessarily the best defensive team in the country, but you always knew that you were going to be able to put the ball in the basket with Missouri last season, and that was really the secret sauce to what made that team so surprisingly good and got them their first NCAA tournament victory in over a decade. But if you think about the best offensive team and the best defensive team, I mean the best five, of course, lineup on the court, well, they don't really cross over. And now you may you can quibble with these five I'm about to throw at you, fine and dandy. I'd say Missouri's best offensive five is Sean East, Nick Honor, Tamar Bates, Noah Carter, and yes, quite possibly Connor Vanover at the five spot. Now, while Vanover has not been the stretch five three point shooter that Dennis Gates had hoped this offseason. When he's close to the basket, he's a problem, and his offensive rating absolutely reflects that. Now, defensively, I think their best lineup is something like Sean East, Kurt Lewis, Tamar Bates, Aiden Shaw, and Jordan Butler. Now, maybe some of you would quibble and say, hey, actually, I'd rather have Vanover in there for Butler. I actually think the way Missouri plays defense, Butler is the better defender. Part of the reason I think you saw Missouri start Butler last night, well, they went to his zone, wanted him near the rim, but able to also move around laterally in that zone, I think that's where Vanover gets in trouble, is anytime he has to move away from basically right around the rim, start moving laterally, that's where he gets in trouble. But again, the point here is that notice there are only two guys who overlapped in those five. If you want to say Vanover, maybe give it three. But I'm going to say two for sure. Sean East and Tamar Bates. And unfortunately, that best offense lineup would be an absolute sieve defensively. The problem is you flip it and say, okay, you try to get a better defender in that best five. Maybe you get just one guy trade out one defender, trade out one offensive player for a defender, well, suddenly you've got somebody in there like Aiden Shaw, Jordan Butler, or Jesus Carolero, who are open, quite frankly, on the three-point line for a reason. Other teams want them to shoot that shot at this point. Now, Trent Pierce could provide more size and rebounding for sure, but his shot making, which was definitely ballyhooed even on this podcast by some of my guests coming into the season, well, it's been only theoretical at this point. He's four for 22 from downtown on the season. And in my opinion, especially in a Dennis Gates style offense, you can never get enough shooting. And right now, we don't have enough shooting, which when you think about it, it's a little bit counterintuitive. Sounds like a Yogi Berra quote when you think about it. But I absolutely believe that you can't get enough shooting, and right now, Missouri doesn't have enough. The thing is, Missouri undeniably made some adjustments yesterday. 
Obviously, Jordan Butler started the game. Missouri mostly played zone defense for the duration, and a lot of those adjustments, you have to say it worked, at least on one end of the court. A&M shot 29% from the field, as I pointed out earlier. But while Jimmy Dykes, who was on the call yesterday, had an inexplicable factoid about Mrs. Bud Williams and her four natural childbirths, had me asking a lot of questions. I, I did agree with Dykes on one thing. Missouri was reaching in just entirely too much. Just a lot of, you know, frankly, lazy defense at times. Maybe that's too harsh, but definitely just reaching instead of moving your feet and just trying to keep your man in front of you. And again, while this is well, I'd like to remind people for the third time, I think, today, there is no prize for the most negative fan. I, I do understand that what I'm about to say here is cold comfort, but this team is playing hard. They still look like they're together to me, and they want to win. It's not as though they're tuning Dennis Gates out. But unfortunately, there's no doubt that many of these guys, especially on the offensive end of the court right now, are lacking some confidence. This really does remind me of Drinkwitz's second season a little bit in that regard. Obviously, some new guys had to come in on the football team for this team to get to its where it got in 2023, but there still were some really important pieces from the 2023 squad that were part of 2021, which was not a fun season, including Ennis Rakestraw, Chris Abrams-Drain, Darius Robinson, Javon Foster, J.C. Carlisle, among many, among many others. Harrison Mevis, of course, too. And the fact that those guys never gave up in 2021, to me, helped set the stage for better things to come. And, and to me, I thought, you know, the last few minutes of that ball game, obviously Missouri did not execute well, but good leadership, I thought, by Sean East, who got – Got to me, Jordan Butler, who had maybe gotten a block there, got the foul called. He thought it was a questionable call, but you know he was kind of running off for a second, upset. Hey, East got to him and got his head right back in the game after that questionable call when Missouri was down five with about 3.30 left. So loved seeing that from Sean East for sure. And I, just to me, it shows for a guy who – has not much time left for Missouri, just shows the kind of program that I think, and I, at least I hope, that Dennis Gates is still building at this point. And coming up, speaking of Missouri's lack of execution down the stretch, you know, there's a real strange rule in place, in my opinion, in basketball that at least needs to be modified a little bit. It's the blood rule. Why does why are we still doing this is number one my question. But number two, do we have to implement it the way that it is? Because last night it may have cost Missouri at least a chance to come back in that basketball game. So let's talk about something, a rule that needs to change in my opinion, coming up right after these quick words. Thanks for making Locked On Mizzou your first listen every day for your second listen. Check out Locked On Sports today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. Once again, that's Locked On Sports today 
on YouTube. And last night, Missouri trailing by five, 58-53, with 123 left in the ball game. And all of a sudden, the ball is stopped. Play is stopped for a moment. You're going, wait, why was the whistle blown? Who fouled whom here? And according to Dennis Gates, or excuse me, according to Gabe DeArmond, who was covering the game, who was in College Station last night, he said on X it looked like Dennis Gates drew the official's attention to Jordan Butler bleeding, and now they're at the monitor for a review. Not sure if he got hit on the last possession or what happened. Well, as you could have seen on, on television, I'm sure Gabe would have seen if you were watching on television instead of live at the game, Butler definitely took a forearm and elbow to the face earlier. Now we'll argue we can argue if that was a foul or not. But what I'm more interested in is am I nuts or is this whole blood rule an actual bizarre relic of the HIV scare, basically the Magic Johnson era, because 30-some-odd years ago when Magic Johnson announced that he was HIV positive, well, eventually the NBA and basically all of basketball entered into a blood rule where essentially, hey, if somebody is bleeding, hey, we're going to stop the game and make sure we take care of the blood. Now, first of all, I don't we I don't want to be completely unreasonable here. Listen, if that's what you want to do, fine and dandy. Not not a big deal, but you can't do it while the ball is in play. When there's 6 seconds left on the shot clock, by the way, and of course Missouri has to inbound the ball and not a particularly great spot on the sidelines there and naturally the Tigers throw it away and turn it over so thank you very much officials for that because here's the deal again you want to stop the game fine but stop it on a dead ball take care of take care of it on a dead ball when the ball goes out of bounds a timeout something like that there's absolutely no reason from a scientific or safety perspective to do so. Again, I'm not going to, if you want to be that overly cautious, then do it on a dead ball situation. Because here's the thing it's been, again, 30 years. Can you name me one person who's played high school basketball, college basketball, NBA basketball? We're now talking about at least hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people. Expand it worldwide if you want. Now we're truly talking about millions of people. Name me one person who's ever contracted HIV or hepatitis or any type of blood-based disease or infection from playing basketball. I'm waiting. Do you have an example? Does one just pop right into your head? No? Okay. Well, then let's stop being weirdos and it, like like we're Carl Malone in 1992. Let's stop being afraid of nothing. Again, you want to stop the bleeding and be extra cautious? Fine. Do it in the dead balls. Do it when you're doing one of your 9,000 instant replay reviews, but you can't do it with a close game, a minute and a half left, the ball's live, the other team is probably going to have to take a step back three or something like that and try to make it a one possession game. Oh, somebody's bleeding. Hey, stop everything. This is insanity. Let's grow up and get a realistic assessment of what actual risk is because the actual risk here is essentially zero as far as I can tell. Somebody correct me if I'm wrong here. 
Again, if somebody got hepatitis or something from playing basketball and I'm not aware of it, well, let me know. I would even say if there's one example out of millions and millions of basketball games, I don't know, perhaps we can chance it. Maybe I'm a heretic and a crazy person, but that's just how I feel about the whole thing. But hey, thank you all for joining me as always here on Locked on Mizzou. Appreciate a bit, appreciate you putting up with a bit of a digression there at the end of the show. But hey, I've had that one chambered for a while there, if you couldn't tell. So until next time, I am John Miller, and thanks as always for listening to Locked on Mizzou.